Well, good morning. I'm so glad, glad to be back. This is the first week I'm back preaching after being gone three weeks, and I'm really glad to be back. I'm a little rusty, and uh, but I'm thankful to be back. Listen, I am thankful, so thankful for who filled the pulpit these last three weeks. Those were phenomenal weeks. I watched uh, online from wherever I was, and uh, we had some great weeks, and I really appreciate those guys that held the word up so high and, and uh, set such a high standard week after week. We love that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Peter today, 1 Peter chapter 2 today. And um, we're not in our Luke series right now until uh, end of July, but in 1 Peter chapter 2 today, the title of the message is Celebrating God in America. Celebrating God in America. You know, one of the things I did when I was on vacation, and one of the things I didn't do, I didn't cut my hair, I didn't shave my face. And um, some people are making that a topic of conversation. Some of them are making fun of my scrawny little mustache or goatee, whatever it is. And uh, I want you to know, as long as my wife likes it, I'm keeping it. Now, what, what she doesn't know is I haven't had my midlife crisis yet, so I'm, I'm doing this now. Next comes the motorcycle, and after that, the tattoo. She doesn't know that yet. Uh, she's not in the service at this time. She was in the early service, but I said it then too, so we'll see how it all unfolds. Pray for me that something substantial will come out of this, all right? Either theological or visual. I don't really care which one, but nonetheless. Take your Bibles and let's stand together as we read 1 Peter chapter 2 today, beginning in verse 11. And as you find that text, let me just tell you today that it's so important for me personally to establish what we're going to do today and what we have done today. It's important for me to establish the fact that we live in a great nation, we really do. America is an incredible nation, but it never has been and never will be our God. And when we come together to celebrate the freedom of America, we're not worshiping a nation. A nation can't be worshiped. A government cannot be worshiped. Only God can be worshiped. Now, I will say one of the biggest problems we have in America today is that those who do not know God and do not worship God worship government and they worship a nation because it is their higher power. It is their source or their provision for many things. And, and they feel like if the government doesn't meet their needs or if the government doesn't do what they want or espouse what they want to believe in, then uh, their life is wasted. But the reality is we only have one whom we worship and that is God Almighty and his son, Jesus Christ. And I love the fact that our worship pastor gets that. We can celebrate the birthday of our nation and we can celebrate Independence Day, but we can make it very plain that Jesus is the one that we worship today. Are you with me on that today? Aren't you grateful we have a nation where we can worship Jesus freely? And we do. And so today I want to talk about what it means to celebrate God in America. And I want to bring you a text today that was written by the Apostle Peter under a very oppressive reign of Nero in Rome. In fact, this man was an incredibly psychotic murderer. His goal was to eradicate Christianity and Christians. And not only were Christians in fear of him, but also the rest of the nation was because he was psychotic, because he was literally insane. And yet he was the despot, he was the ruler over Rome. So Paul, or rather Peter writes, and Paul writes the same thing in the book of Romans, but Peter is writing here about what it means to be able to celebrate God in your nation, what it means to be able to recognize what's around us and yet at the same time celebrate God. A lot of personal words in here, beginning in verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, 
which wage war against the soul. And he establishes that first. Believers, beloved, I want you to abstain from the fleshly lust that everyone else seems to be giving into and the ways of thinking and the ways of living that everyone else seems to be given over to. And abstain from those fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. And then he says, after you understand that, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Father, today, as we celebrate you and our nation that you have sovereignly placed us in, we acknowledge that every good thing we have comes from you. We acknowledge today that you're our Lord, that you're our king, and we acknowledge today that you give us words by your Holy Spirit that are timeless, whether it was for Paul or Peter under Nero to Christians in America. Father, we desire to please you with how we live. We ask this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. Well, while there are a lot of things that this text says, there are two main things that I want to focus on today, two things I want you to celebrate. And I want you to understand from this text that we've been given the call and the cause to celebrate. So we want to do a little celebrating. We want, to, we want to be grateful. We want to be thankful for a couple of things. First of all, I want you to notice that, that Peter opens his text to a group of people under oppression by saying, here's something you can be thankful for. You can abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul because you have freedom in Jesus Christ. So we need to celebrate our freedom in Christ. We need to celebrate the freedom that he brings us in the power of the gospel. The reason these people were able to celebrate the freedom from sin is because they had come to the place of putting their trust and faith in Christ who was crucified on a cross, who was buried, who rose again the third day. And the resurrection power that rose him up from the dead gave the power to these believers in Jesus Christ to live a different life. He goes on and says in verse 11, you're aliens and strangers. You're just passing through. This world is really not your final destination at all. And as good as living gets in America and as good as living gets in Texas and people think that it's pretty good in Texas, the reality is something better is coming and aren't you glad? Something better is coming that Christ has already given us a foretaste of and that is the freedom from fleshly lust. Now that command is given to us as believers before we begin to influence the nation with the gospel. We have to be influenced by the gospel in our lives. You cannot influence someone and you cannot give something away that you don't yourself have. You can't promote freedom in America unless you have freedom yourself by the power of Christ. It's incredibly important that we learn to live the gospel out in a powerful way and by doing that, everyone else that sees us sees the hope that's in us is real. Now, most of us don't have really a real concept of what it means to be an alien or a sojourner. 
But if you've traveled to many places around the world, you'll know that Americans are often seen as those that stand out from the crowd in a bad way in other countries. I remember the first time I went to India about almost 20 years ago now, I remember walking into an old airport in Hyderabad, India, which looked like a third world kind of airport, which it actually was at the time. And I was one of just a few people coming from Tennessee at that time to India, and I'd never been there before. And by walking through that airport, I realized that I was by at least one foot taller than everybody else in that airport. And everybody was looking at me. My skin was a different color. And uh, I was about the only one that was that tall in the airport. Everybody was watching me. They were watching how I walked, what I did, what I, what I was wearing, what, what my intentions were there. And I was an alien and a sojourner in India during those weeks. And everyone was watching. Let me just say to you today that Peter says to those that are in the church at that time, the whole world is watching how you live. You're an alien and you say you have a different king. And you say you have a different destination. And you know you have a better world and a better life coming in the days ahead. But, but notice the world is watching you. So abstain from fleshly lust that wage war against the soul. Show that there is freedom from what everyone else seems to be giving into. You ever noticed how our nation is given over to the lust of the flesh like never before? Social mores have fallen to the wayside. Sexual mores are no more. Rarely do we see a truly moral perspective outside the church of Jesus Christ. Today, you self-identify in whatever way you want, and that's seen as a valid way to think about it. You have any sexual expression you want to make, and that's seen as a valid response, because if you feel it, you should be able to do it. And what the Bible says is a fleshly lust. The world says is freedom. But what they don't know it's that kind of freedom brings destruction. It destroys homes, it destroys lives, it destroys future, it destroys the ability to know the difference between right and wrong. And so as aliens living in this world and in this nation, we have an incredible responsibility to live as delivered people, live as saved people, live as people that are free from that kind of thinking. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, Paul talks about the amazing pull of sin that you see everywhere around you today. I mean, these verses are a living illustration of our times. Paul says, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Now he's speaking to the church, so that's us. We were, all people are dead in their trespasses and sin in which you formerly walked according to the what? To the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them, we too, all of us, formerly lived in the lust of the flesh, indulging in the flesh and lust of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath as all the rest. That's Paul's description of every person before they came to faith in Christ. In other words, the pull of sin so strong that it brings us under, except we have been delivered. I love that next verse, verse four. But God, but God who's rich in mercy has delivered us from that. Aren't you glad you have the freedom of deliverance by the power of Jesus Christ? We have that today in Christ, we do. My wife and I, over the last couple of weeks, were traveling in, in Northern California, got in the car, rented the car, and just drove all over. And one of the places we went was in the Sequoia Mountain area, Sierra Mountains in uh, middle and eastern California, just below the Nevada line. And there are some of the tallest trees in the world are the sequoia trees, are beautiful. 14,000 feet up, those trees grow 300, 350 feet 
uh, into the sky. Coming down on a drive from that place, we saw a river, an amazing river. It was called uh, the Kawea River. And the Kawea River is the steepest river in the United States. Listen to this. It drops an amazing 12,000 feet in 20 miles. So when we drove down from 14,000 foot at the peak down to, um, to sea level almost, 12,000 feet, that river followed the road. Think about how rapid, how steep that river was. And as you stop on the side of the road to look at that river, all the snow mounting from the mountaintops coming into that river sends a crashing whitewater river all the way through these rocks and boulders to the, to the very bottom. Now there were signs along the way warning you that if you got too close to the water, you might not survive. And these signs even indicated that in the last week, three people had died because they'd come too close to the rapids in that water. They had underestimated its power and they'd been dragged to their death to that river. I think about that sometimes when I think about the morality of our world. The morality of our world is, uh, it's something I desire, it's beautiful to watch, it's something I feel, and as, as they get closer, they don't realize that by putting their feet in the water, they can be pulled away by the current, dragged away and demolished in so many ways. The reality is, believers do not have to go that way. And so we are to abstain from fleshly lusts, which are able uh, to demonstrate to the world that we no longer live that way. Listen, you have power in the cross of Jesus Christ. So today, Christian, if you want to celebrate God in America, do it. Do it by living the life of Christ out first and foremost. Celebrate his freedom. Then something else I want you to notice today. We need to celebrate his sovereignty. Beginning in verse 12, all the way through the verse 17, Peter begins to talk about our role in a nation as the people of God under the sovereignty of God. Say, well, what does sovereignty mean? Sovereignty simply means that God is in the ultimate control. He is in the driver's seat. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is no one that exercises authority over God. So any earthly king and any earthly ruler, whether it be Nero or Donald Trump or before him President Obama, whoever it might be, does not hold the ultimate authority. God does. And in this text, he simply says that as unique as Peter's life was in Rome. We also have a unique opportunity here and we're under the sovereignty of God. I want to remind you, verse 9 and 10 tells us who we really are. And we're really not ultimately citizens of America, even though we have a citizenship here. Ultimately, we're citizenship of heaven. Notice what it says in verse 9. This is who we are. In verse 9, he says, you're a chosen race and you're a royal priesthood and you're a, you're a holy nation. You're a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, now you're the people of God. You were once someone who did not receive mercy. Now you have received mercy. Now I want you to think of yourself today in America, not as a Republican, not as a Democrat, not as a Libertarian or Progressive or an Independent, I want you to remove the political party out of your mindset. And I want to tell you today, as a believer set free from, from, from sin by the power of Jesus Christ, you are the people of God and have an amazing opportunity in a nation that is giving us freedom to take the message to every person here. We've been given that. So how do we exercise that? 
Well, that is the purpose of Paul's admonitions here. Three admonitions that he gives us. Notice the first one. We must, first of all, shine bright. Shine bright. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter simply saying what Jesus said to him years before, let your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father that's in heaven. He's simply saying again what he said in chapter 1, verse 15, be holy just as the one who called you is holy. He's saying what Paul said in Ephesians 4, walk no longer like the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, but walk as people who have been enlightened by the living God. So it's important for us to shine bright, especially right now in America, when people are wondering, where are we headed? What life should we pursue? How can I know that I'm on the right path? Believers need to learn to shine bright in a way they've never done before. And literally, the wording of the text is that you should shine on and on and on. A present tense verb that says, just keep shining. Just keep letting your light glare brightly so that all will know, all will know the direction that God has placed you in. When we were at a, a seaside resort this last week, a place called uh, Bogota Bay, and the only reason I really booked a room there is because that's where the movie The Birds was made. I'm, I mean, I'm a weird vacation planner. Anybody remember the movie The Birds? Would you raise your hand? And so I, I read that Bogota Bay is where that was and the, the structures were still there. And so I booked <laughs> one night in Bogota Bay. And thankfully, it was a new resort, not one of those old ones where the birds were. And thankfully, we saw no birds that gave us any grief. And my wife was asking me, why are we here? And I said, well, there's a reason. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Really nice seaside resort. Um, got in, checked in late that afternoon, opened the uh, sliding glass door that led to the patio that overlooked the bay. And the first thing I hear is this, this sound that I can hear. It's very loud. And it goes something like this. Boop! Boop! About every 15 or 20 seconds. And it continues on all afternoon. It continues in the night. It continues the next morning. And it's just going on and on and on. My wife and I are talking about this. And it keeps her up at night. I have this unique gift in which I can turn my hearing aids off at night. I didn't, I didn't have problems. <laughs> she had a lot of problems. And the next morning, I began to ask her around. It's a foghorn. And the reason the foghorn is there is because the, the lighthouse next to it shines the light. But in the daytime, it's hard to see the light. And they need a foghorn to prevent the coastal water traffic from running into the rocks near the bay. It's a present, consistent sound that helps people know where danger is and where the right path is. And I had a lot of thoughts in my mind that, that some of those thoughts were, well, why don't they turn the sound off in the daytime when there is no fog? Why don't we just shut it down during those times? But the reality is, that kept on going and probably at this moment continues on and has been for years because the consistent sound and the consistent visual of where danger is and where the right path is is necessary to keep people from having shipwreck. Paul is saying the very same thing and Peter is saying the very same thing to us today. Let your light shine brightly. 
Let your countenance and let your conversation be such that the whole world can look at us, and especially those around where we live, our nation, our community, looks at us and sees us shining brightly because of the power and the hope of Christ. You and I have been given something that many have never even heard of. And so it's incredibly important that our witness is shining brightly. God will use your life to do that. Peter says, make sure you keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the day of visitation, they'll glorify God because of you shine bright. Secondly, the text tells us, sit tight, sit tight. In verse 13 and 14, we read what Paul has also said in Romans 12. Peter says in verse 13 and 14, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. So here's Peter telling people under the rule of Nero, the evil, murderous ruler, submit yourself to that ruler because God is ultimately the one that allowed him to be there. Now that's a difficult truth to grasp. Why God would allow his people to be under an evil dictator who intended to eradicate them, I cannot answer that. But I can tell you that God is still in control. And I can tell you that God is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I can tell you that in that climate, Christianity grew like never before. And, and it hasn't really grown since that time like that. Under the persecution of Nero, the church spread. It was purified. People gave their lives to Christ and they gave their lives for the cause of Christ under that kind of situation. I want you to bring yourself to the present day and understand. You and I may have it easy to compare it to those in Nero's day, but the reality is we've been given the command to see our government as something that God has allowed to be in place over us. In Romans chapter 13, Paul says a very similar thing. Look in verse one. And these are important verses for us in any time, in any season, in any era. But he says in chapter 13, verse one, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those who exist are established by God. You say, Pastor, do you really believe the Bible is literally true? Especially when it says something like that. And I'm telling you, absolutely, it's literally true. How we need to acknowledge that and understand that, verse five tells us that therefore it's necessary to be in subjection not only because of wrath, but also because of conscience's sake. So here's what the Bible says to believers in America or any other nation. Sit tight. The word hypotasso simply means arrange yourself under their authority. And the freedoms they give you, you are to exercise thoroughly. Let me say this today that I know that you can be in a nation where your religious beliefs are forbidden or you can be in a nation where your religious beliefs are protected but we have been given great freedom today. And I want you to understand and acknowledge today that freedom is under the sovereignty of God for a mission and for a purpose. God does not intend us to waste our time or our citizenship on mundane things. We need to abstain from flesh to lust, which wage war against the soul, and we need to be shining as lights. We need to understand the era and time we're in and the freedom we've been given, and we need to exploit that freedom for the cause of Christ. Exploit that freedom 
to share the gospel of Christ. Last week we had a special speaker here from Israel, Amir Safari. And uh, he had some incredible things to say. Most of the things he said that I really enjoyed were not from the pulpit, but in another room where he shared as a citizen of Israel his perspective about America. Essentially, he said, do you understand what America has been rescued from? I said, what do you mean? He said, for the last 20 years, we in Israel have been watching America float away from her values. We've been watching them fall into all kinds of deviant behavior, deviant beliefs, and we're wondering when will America wake up? In fact, the nations of the world are praying for revival in America and in the American church. We've watched you grow silent. We've watched you grow weak as the church. How we wonder, when will you wake up? And then he said, he goes, I, I don't agree with everything that President Trump is doing, but he said, from my perspective, you've been given a window of freedom that you haven't had, and you better exploit that freedom well. Now, I'm not often one that quotes the sitting president, but last night, President Trump did make this statement. He said, I give assurance that the pulpits of America will always be free to preach the Bible. In fact, that's what they need to do. He said, you'll always be free to pray publicly. And you'll always be free to practice your religion openly. Now, that's something that a man can say. But it's also something that I haven't heard in two decades. What I'm saying is this today. I believe that under the sovereignty of God, we have an opportunity. And under the sovereignty of God, we need to not be shy. And under the sovereignty of God, we need to trumpet the gospel that rescued us in a way that we have not done before. The church needs to do it. The individual believer needs to do it. Because only Christ can set a person free. And if you want to celebrate freedom, celebrate in the life of someone that you lead to faith in Jesus Christ. Celebrate in your life in that you've been set free. In the day of Pentecost, they were prohibited from preaching Jesus. In Peter's day, they were put to death for naming the name of Christ. But we need to thank God every day for the freedom we have here in America to worship, to gather, then to go out and share the message of Christ. Thank God for that. We have it. So sit tight where you are, but be full of expression for the gospel. I will tell you this today, that the way you change a nation and the way you make a nation come to Christ is not by moralizing the nation, but by gospelizing the nation. You can't make people do what they don't want to do. But when they come to faith in Christ, they'll do things they never imagined because of him in a great way. Sit tight, then do right. Do right, that's the last of the three. In verse 15, notice what he says. He says, for such is the will of God that by doing right, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, I want to warn you about something today that's very important. I want to warn you that for you to talk about being a believer, and for you to hold a Bible up, and for you to worship on a regular basis, and for you to name the name of Christ to all those around you, and then to live as though you were a hypocrite is the worst thing that you can do as a believer. You see, foolish men talk badly about Christ, badly about the Bible, badly about believers because of those who live in hypocrisy. And that's why Peter is saying, look, everybody's watching you. 
You're an alien. You're a sojourner. You're in a, you're in a strange land. You claim to have been set free by the power of Christ. Make sure you live in such a way where that's evident. Make sure you do right. Because when you do right, they see that righteous living and they say, what's the reason for that? How did they do that? And it, and it lays the groundwork for you to share the glorious good news of Jesus Christ. Live righteously. And when you live righteously, you silence the foolishness of evil men. Do it for your witness. Do it because you're called to it. Do it because you're free in Christ to do it. And then, in the last verse of this text, Peter gives us four statements that most of us could understand and remember very easy. Look at those four statements in the very last verse. That would be verse number 17. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king. In just about two minutes, let's look at those. First of all, do right with people. That simply says that we're to honor, to esteem, to respect, to love, to care for people. The church needs to look at other people and see others as they see themselves and love others as they love themselves. We are to look at other people not through the lens of racism, not through the lens of prejudice, not through the lens of socioeconomic status. We are to look at each other and honor one another as common people on planet Earth. The church can do that so well. How can a people who have been accepted by God, no matter where we come from, no matter what we've been in, not accept other people? We accept all those. We honor all those around us with kindness and with love, no matter how they're living, so that they may be exposed to the light that we have in Jesus Christ. Honor. Honor people, honor all people. So do right with people, do right with the church. You notice what he says? He says, love the brotherhood. That, that word agape means unconditional love. It means we're to have unconditional love for every member of the body of Christ. And I wanna tell you today, it's kinda hard to love everybody unconditionally. In fact, it's impossible to love everybody unconditionally. My wife told me it was hard for her to love me unconditionally. And we both acknowledge that we can't love each other unconditionally apart from the power of Christ. But the church is the one place where unconditional love needs to flow freely. The church is one place where we practice loving one another in the power of Christ so that the world can see what real relationships are. And if we don't love each other unconditionally, the world won't have a clue about how that works. They think love is sex. They think love is simply accepting whatever they believe. But love is not those things, but love is wanting the best for everyone. It's looking at someone, embracing, holding, encouraging, urging them on to their fullness in Christ. And it's hard to do that sometimes in the body of Christ. Sometimes my own family, it's hard to hold them all together. It's like herding cats in my family. And when you think about that in hundreds of thousands of lives, it's like trying to get everybody going in the same direction. But, but we do that by loving each other unconditionally, loving the church enough to support the church, to pray for the church, to serve alongside others in the church, pull together in unity. It means fully pressing on in our mission together, loving the mission God has given us and not holding back in that mission. Do right with the church. Do right with God. It says here, fear God. The word fear simply means that when we look at God, we worship God, 
It says we are more afraid with a godly reverence of God than we are anybody around us or any other fear we might have. It was the fear of God that let Daniel in his day say what he said to the king, live a different life, and eventually be used by God to turn that king and that nation back to God. It was Daniel's fear of God that let him stand out. It was the fear of God the apostles had that let Pentecost take place, that let the church scatter in those early days after Pentecost, that let the church continue to thrive under Nero's persecution. It'll be the fear of God that lets us thrive in our day. Fear God. And then finally, do right with the leaders you have. Honor the king. Nero's Rome was horrifically evil and Nero himself, as I've said, is a psychopathic murderer. And yet the apostles didn't criticize. They didn't shame. They didn't call for an overthrow. They didn't protest. They didn't march. They didn't make signs. They honored an evil king because they knew God was greater. Therefore, you live as though you know God is greater. You live as though you know he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, because he is. You live as though that your influence is not political. Your influence is spiritual. And as you begin to live that spiritual influence out, you begin to shine. Others begin to see. And Christ begins to be glorified. It's time for the church in America to pull together and pray. Listen, this is a great time to be praying for our nation. It's a great time to be praying for our leaders. It's time for us to come together and pray. I don't know how high your nation is on your prayer list, but it ought to be right up there at the top, right next to your, your family, your church. It ought to be your nation because you live in a nation that's given you today an opportunity. And that opportunity doesn't need to be squandered. There will be a day when we are held accountable by God Almighty for the freedom that he gave us. And under his sovereignty, we have amazing freedom. Oh, that we would pray as much as we protest that we would lift our eyes to heaven as much as we roll our eyes at some of the things that happen in Washington, D.C. I have no taste for politics, but I have a great taste for the Spirit of God to move among us and to change our world through the church. So here's my call to you, the same call that Peter has, shine bright, sit tight, do right. In every part of your perspective, do right. Choose to follow Christ in such a way so that you're walking in a liberated way from sin and an enlightened way in terms of your role in this nation. What if the church just became the church the way Peter called us to it? What if the church just became the church the way the apostles experienced after Pentecost? And what if the church influenced the nations the way a Daniel did? Thousands of years ago. Keep in mind the same God that was with Daniel and the same Holy Spirit that was in the lives of those at Pentecost and the same King that was leading Peter and Paul. He's our King who we worship. I want you to bow your head for just a moment. Close your eyes. I want you to ask yourself the question. Am I following that call to abstain from fleshly lust? and to live in such a way that everyone sees and knows the hope inside of me. I want you to ask yourself the question, am I taking advantage of the freedom I've been given in this nation 
to be able to live out the gospel, to share the gospel, to let others know about Christ. Am I doing that? We have an incredible number of things to celebrate, but our freedom is at the top. I'm gonna ask our staff and our prayer counselors to be at the front today. And I'm gonna close in a moment with prayer. And when I close in prayer, I'm gonna invite anyone that wants to come to the front and have a conversation with someone here. Maybe you wanna come and say, hey, listen, I need to get some things right in my life. I'm, I'm near that river. I'm near that moral river that's rushing down from the top and it's so strong and it's pulling me in and I need deliverance from that. I need to know how to get loose from that. You need the power of Christ in your life and we wanna help you with that. There are those perhaps today who've said, you know, I don't even know what it means to be free in Christ. I'm not sure how that works, that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day. I'm not sure how that fits with me. And I'm not really even sure I have a faith relationship with him where I've ever actually trusted him to forgive me of sin, give me the gift of eternal life. If you're walking today, wondering if you're right with God, then you don't need to wonder any longer. Have the conversation. Walk forward in just a few moments. Stand next to someone, look at them in the eye and say, would you please answer my question and help me with what I'm feeling in my heart right here. For you to leave today, not free, when Christ has done everything necessary for you to be free, doesn't make sense. You come and be free today. And maybe today you want to come in and agree with someone in prayer about your nation and your community. Listen, I can't think of anything more important today and for a believer to say, I've got this amazing role in the kingdom and it's gonna influence our nation. You know, we can change the world with the gospel. I know the gospel is powerful enough to change the world. We can change the world with the gospel, but we have to be very, very serious about it to do that. I wanna call you to that kind of a seriousness. Just a moment when I pray, I'll ask people to stand and at the conclusion of that prayer, our service is dismissed and some will walk forward and some will walk out. Take a few moments to walk forward. After you've made any spiritual decision that God is leading you to make today, if you're a guest today, I would love for you to come to the guest reception room. I'd like to have just a little bit of one-on-one time with you, share with you what God is doing here in our church and to have a very open talk with you about what it means to have eternal life without doubt. Let me have that conversation with you. Outside the center door, across the hallway, you'll see the signs leading there. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, today I want to thank you for the amazing privilege you've given us and the opportunity we have. And just like Peter called the church to live it brightly, Father, I pray that our church will, as individuals and as a corporate body, live so brightly that it will be seen by all, uh, that many will glorify you in the day of visitation. Father, today we all have responsibilities, opportunities. We all have freedom if we choose to allow you to give it to us. Today, I pray that no one will walk out of this building without making the decisions that are important to make today. Thank you, Father, for the freedom we have to celebrate you in America. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.